friends, and welcome to another episode of the IT Business Podcast. I am your host, Marvin B., and we are having a splendid evening. Uh, I am going to be flying out tomorrow morning, heading to Dallas for the ASCII event. It is the last event of the year, and they call it the ASCII Cup, and there's a big old blowout and party and I don't know what else happens. This will be my first time going to the last event. And then I will be heading to Oklahoma City. And I have questions about Oklahoma City. Like, do they have basements? And why do people need to know your favorite color when you go to visit? All these things that I hope I will find out very, very soon. So this is the podcast for IT professionals everywhere whether you're a solo tech managed service provider, we hope to provide you with product stories and tips, all to help you do your jobs better, stronger. No, that's actually better, smarter, and faster. I should get a producer and do these lines properly. Tonight, we are doing a live show. If you have been listening to your podcast in order, you would have known that last week we put out three audio episodes dedicated to Synology. Synology is a product that I've started using probably about 18 months ago and starting to replace a lot of servers, a lot of storage devices and other things and use the Synology product. So I've got Doug Ricketts here to help explain some of the things that you can do and talk about some of the upcoming things that Synology is doing as well. Before I do that, though, I want to make sure that I say that this is the first live show that I have done since Hurricane Ian came through the state of Florida. And while my city and South Florida were spared, a lot of Florida was not. So I want to make sure to let everybody know that Florida has taken a big hit. I'm sure you have seen the pictures and the videos of what has happened on the West Coast anywhere from Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Sarasota, and then up through the middle of the state. As I said, I got lucky. A lot of my clients, or I should say all of my clients got lucky. I have clients that are in Tampa, St. Pete, Lakeland, uh, Deltona, uh, Fort Pierce, Port St. Lucie, and they all got spared. And I know that I reached out to several people in our community that we know, John Dubinsky, is over there. Uh, one of the show partners, um, Tom, is over there. Or John Reed is over there. Lisa Hendrickson is over there. Uh, I have some other tech buddies that I partner with from time to time. Of course, we have people in the lower Tampa area, people that you know in the channel. Tom Holman um, was over there and has was without power for a while, actually came over to our side of the state to do some business for a while. There are a lot of people affected by this. So I just want to say that, you know, please keep people uh, in your prayers. Uh, send help if you can. Uh, they're going to need it. But I want to let you know that you need to send help to only a few places. FloridaDisaster.org and Red Cross. Uh, those are the places where you need to be doing your donations. Do not respond to a GoFundMe for Hurricane Ian. This is Florida, folks. You know the stories of Florida, man. 
So do not respond to a GoFundMe unless you know the person that is doing the GoFundMe or you know the person that it is for. Otherwise, you go through floridadisaster.org, Red Cross, uh, or if you are in touch with a radio station there and you can vouch for what they're doing, you can go through them, a church, uh, something like that. But do not just give blindly to anything on the Internet asking for donations. Florida man uh, is somebody you need to be aware of at this time. Um, let's see here. I think that is going to do it for that announcement, um, along with uh, the presenting uh, sponsor for the show, Net Ally. You should know that John Reed is one of the partners that uh, I always mention, Computers Done Right. They are a sponsor of the live feed here that we do. So uh, I, I did speak to Tom, I mean to John, and I'm sorry because I, I had some I had a conversation with Tom Bull earlier, who's also a partner um, patron uh, who was not affected by Ian, but John was. And so we want to keep John in our prayers. Um, there was some damage to John's place there. He did not tell me how much, and I don't think he wanted to uh, make you know more of it than it was. He's safe. He's fine. But folks, if you can give him some love, uh, send him some business, send him something uh, to get him through this, please do that. So I want to always mention the people that are friends of the show, and John Reed has certainly been that. And uh, we will continue to monitor the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Let's see. Uh, I mentioned that I'm going to Dallas, going to Oklahoma City. Hope to make it home from Oklahoma City. And if we do, we will continue with additional podcasts down the road. So for right now, let us bring in my guest for today, Doug Ricketts with Synology. Doug, how are you? I'm great, Uncle Marv. How you doing, sir? Doing good, doing good. And I guess we should let the people know that you're not in your Synology office. You are up in New York City. Yep. In good old New York City. Yeah, we're doing a workshop this week. Uh, and we're going to be going over all things Synology. Um, so, yeah, I'm in the District Hotel right now. Uh, just uh, pretty about probably about four blocks away from where we have to set up tomorrow morning. All right. You don't have yeah. to. You I wish have you to. were here, man. I, you're going out to Dallas. Why don't you change that flight and just come to New York? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, do you want to be a sponsor of the show and <laughs> fly me up there? <laughs> I don't know if that can be oh, done. Well. Ch- change of flights are expensive these days. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go to ASCII and enjoy, enjoy Dallas. And we'll. Uh, Temperature's bound to be better. We'll visit Synology in another event and then hopefully. Uh, you guys will come back now. You know we had uh, your buddy down at um, TechCon Unplugged. You didn't make it, so we'll have to get you back out to one of those. Well, I got to come back out. Yeah, Eric. Uh, Eric gave me the run through. He's actually here with me in New York too. Um, okay. So I, I let him know we were actually everyone was going out to dinner tonight, and I've got a. Uh, I said I got a podcast with uh, with Marvin B, and he goes, "All right, well, don't." You know, don't flake on them. Don't don't not show up. Go do that podcast. All right. Yeah, you. I, apparently, you guys had a good time, which is nice. We did. We did. So let's quickly do a recap. I mentioned at the top of the show yeah. that we did three audio podcasts, kind of as a intro into this show here, and we we talked about the business of Synology, 
and we talked about, you know, Synology becoming more and more MSP friendly. And we talked about some of the different products and, and all of that. So I hope people got a good idea. Those that have used Synology, love Synology. A lot of people, like I mentioned in the beginning, kind of maybe skeptical. I don't know if that's a great word. Um, but for those of us, those of us that support business, uh, didn't quite see Synology as business ready, which now it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's something that we've been working on for quite some time. I think in terms of the SMB market, we've been there really, I mean, re- really since the beginning to a certain extent uh, in being able to service that market. And it's just, I mean, really very recently, uh, I would say within the past four four to five years, we've been pushing towards the enterprise market even more so. But we're always, you know, I think Synology as a company is always going to stay at its core. And as that starts to expand, as that starts to to happen, we're going to continue. And I think we've always been, I should say, when we started de- deploying uh, units, when we started building units as opposed to just making the software, I think like MSPs have always been sort of very true to our heart. Uh, in terms of the business that we do, because we as a company don't we don't sell direct. Like we want to be able to give MSPs uh, and and systems integrators and value added resellers the tools to both monetize and effectively use our solutions. Well, I can tell you one of the things that probably stood out to me during my renaissance with Synology is the fact that it was always seen as just simply a storage device, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I got one of the recent models that I saw all of the apps and all of the things that you can do from the Synology, you know, directory server to the built-in backup, the camera system. I mean, that little box can do, I'm going to say almost everything that a business needs. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I think that sort of the, the dump storage idea of Synology is something that is a very popular usage case, but uh, DSM, Distation Manager, which is our proprietary operating system, I know I talked about that in previous podcasts, Um, that is just a tool to thousands, uh, thousands of ways to use your NAS. Uh, Applications that can do so many things, back up your VM environment, back up your PCs, physical servers, and all of that is available with no reoccurring fees on a monthly basis. So if you have a solution you're using that costs a certain amount of money um, and you need you know, some, maybe some additional replication, additional redundancy, uh, plugging a Synology into that environment is really just going to give them more flexibility in terms of where their data goes. And you can virtualize that environment too on the Synology. So it, you know, I, I like to look at them more as SANS than anything else. Uh, but it gives you, I think, so much more than just the base level of usage of a network attached storage. So I'll use myself as an example. So I just recently yeah. just recently deployed uh, your DS1621XS Plus. And mm-hmm. I was a little nervous because this was a customer where I was going to be replacing a server, doing file storage, and doing backup all with a single device. And the server was not just your, you know, just a typical domain controller. I actually ran Synology directory server for their users and computers. 
and then I ran the virtual machine for a SQL server that nice. they could use. So the SQL server, the requirements that were given to me by the vendor were that they had either had to have 32 gigs of RAM or solid state drives. And so what I did was on that DS1621, I put solid state drives in the first two bays and regular SATA drives in the last four bays. So I'm running the virtual machine on those solid state drives uh, because I was worried that the max memory on the 1621 is 32 gigs. And Mm -hmm. this customer wasn't ready to jump up to one of the other models where I could have done 64 gigs or higher, but I'm running all of that and they haven't complained one bit. Uh, The server was responsive. Even the vendor, when he remoted in to set up the database for them, didn't complain about speed or anything. And the, the VM is running probably half of the RAM of the system. And I've still got two mm-hmm. file shares on there. We're running uh, active backup to back up the virtual machine and then running hyper backup to upload everything from the Synology up to C2. That's great. I mean, that right there is sort of a picture-perfect backup solution. Uh, you've got everything in place that really uh, compensates for replication, right? You've got some redundancy set up. Um, and, I mean, most of that, all of that, can be done through the Synology NAS. It's really quite amazing. So is there anything other than C2 that you're paying for on a monthly basis in that deployment? On that, uh, no. Yeah. Because so, I, I, mean, I didn't have to buy the VM Pro, the Virtual Machine Pro license, which mm-hmm. I don't know at what point I would have to. I'm assuming if I want to do two or more and get fancy. Yeah, that would be like re- remote re- remote replication. Um, and then high availability. Okay, those would be two scenarios where you'd want to do the VMM Pro. And you know, honestly, I don't find that a lot in VM deployments overall. And and if it is uh, something that's in the 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 needs or the requirements of the deployment, um, then certainly they're looking at cost cost saving solutions. And you know, even with VMM Pro in there, uh, it's still going to save them quite a bit of money. So it's kind of interesting because, I, like I said, I was – not that I was skeptical. I mean, I've heard people running other stuff on their virtual you know, Docker and some of those other, mm-hmm. you know, Linux game game type stuff, which I don't do. Um, Node.js, yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, no, it's a coding program. I'm, I'm, I'm too big of a nerd now. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was funny cause when I walked in with that box and took it out and stuck it on the, 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 the countertop where they had their old server, they kind of looked at me like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And running all mm-hmm. the stuff that they need. Um, and as you asked me, no license fees for any of that. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I mean, it, that's a fantastic thing. And Honestly, I, I've been with Synology for just over two years, just over two years. And I can't tell you how many times I have been told, hey, you guys should charge for that or you should like you could monetize better. I'm like, no, we we want you to be able to monetize on that. We want you. You're the ones that go to go to work and deploy the solution. And it just doesn't you know. It doesn't make sense. The system doesn't work that way. Uh, but, the way but, it works is with MSB. So, yeah. I mean, but that is a question because the whole idea of, I mean, I get it, you know, 
techs like us want to be able to do as much as we can ourselves without those fees and make the money off of it. But for all the stuff that mm. I just mentioned, you know, the support for that alone should cost something, right? Yeah, I mean, think about it. You you use uh, your Windows machine on a regular basis. You get access to the basic tools of a Windows machine. And at this point, I mean, I think a text editor and a PowerPoint type solution should be um, should be something that just comes with a solution. I mean, that's what you're using it for, right? Uh, and to the same token, if you're uh, if you have a Mac, like think about um, think about some type of Apple product, right? Uh, when you get that, you get access to pages, you get access to a number of different things. And that's the way that I think Apple, well, um, not to get off topic, right, but some brands build themselves with that, that methodology. And I think that the way that our solutions work is that's what gives our systems value, right, is, is having that solution available. We just want you guys to buy the solutions. We want you to, to deploy them, be confident with them. Um, so we give this great back end support in terms of, uh, in terms of our, our, our technical account managers there, uh, um, and all of our business development specialists. And we look for business too, right? We will look for business and, and send them to our MSP partners, uh, for, for sort of processing and, and even hopefully management too. That's, I think our ultimate goal is just, let's get an MSP connected with business. Uh, that's something we really want to do. All right. So the fees that I know of. So I know yep. that you do the fee for VMM Pro, which I haven't had to use. Uh, you do fees for camera licenses, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure why exactly are there fees for the camera license. Is it just because of the compatibility with all the thousands of cameras you support? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think from uh, for what cameras that we do support, we support any camera that's on BIF for the most part. Um, why we have camera licenses? Well, I, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> I think the, the, the camera license solution, uh, does two things. It kind of keeps the unit in a way that allows, uh, allows for a certain amount of cameras, right? Like you don't want to go overboard with it. Um, but at the same time, I think that there is a certain element of like, resource and testing that goes into what we do. Uh, I mean, we have to test hard drives. We have to test RAM. Uh, we have to test a number of different things in order to ensure compatibility and being able to make sure that that solution continues to do what it needs to do is I think a, probably a big reason for, for why I can't speak to Synology's true reason for it. Um, that's a great question. Um, well, that's, but that's yeah, a, that's a good answer because yeah, it, it will, force people to limit the number of devices they attach to a NAS. So just like when I was thinking of doing the, you know, the virtual server, you know, the documentation says that I can run four on the DS1621. And I'm thinking, I don't know about that. If you're going to give each server ample amount of memory to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the other license I uh, fee that you have that I completely agree with is the active insight. Because what I did start with that on beta when it was free, and you guys are now starting to have uh, subscriptions for that, and then you're also doing extended warranties that we can pay for, taking a normal warranty of two years or three years, extending it to five. So I agree with both of those. 
Yeah, so so you're currently using Active Insight uh, to its full extent, is that right? Yes. Oh, cool. I'm using okay. that dashboard. Yeah. That dashboard is open right next to my RMM and my Domotes network monitoring. So I've got that's my third dashboard that's open almost all day. Can I ask you about how many about how many units do you have to view on on uh, Active Insight and, well, and that sort of that experience? There? So. Okay, so I only have 11 devices of my – I've got 20 Synologies out there, but 11 I currently have in the Insight dashboard. Great. No, that's – that's, and you feel like the management and sort of the – like you probably have more Insight, you know, pardon the pun, the active Insight than I do because I, uh, <laughs> I get to see it from like a demo perspective, but you're really deploying it. Um, so here's the thing. So I should probably bring that up. So let me – I'll type while we're doing this. The thing that I like about it, so one of the first things that I did not like was that when it first came up, you couldn't get into the appliance from that dashboard. And that was mm-hmm. that was added a few months ago. Um, maybe could be a maybe a year. Um I think it was really recent. I mean it must have been like a few months ago, you're right. Okay. And so not only can you see the resources of the machine, you can see the memory, you can see um, the hard drive storage space, you can see something that was added, hyper backup. You can actually see mm-hmm. all of your devices, the number of backups that have been run, successful, not successful, the applications backed up, and the total destination usage. So, you know, a lot of times we're looking around for you know, at the end of the month when we're getting ready to bill, you know, we're looking for some report as to, okay, how much data have I backed up for that client? If you're charging them, you know, by terabyte or whatever, I just go to the dashboard and I can see what I'm using per client pretty quickly. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and that data, as you have the premium plan, yes. is actually going to stay there for a year. So you're going to have that data recorded for, uh, for up to a year. Okay. Uh, the other thing I noticed is there's an update section now where you can actually mm-hmm. push uh, DSM updates directly from Insight as well as mm-hmm. packages. So that was cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. Should I be showing you this so you can see it? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I would say uh, screen sharing it would be would be cool. We can always do that at another time. As well, but I mean, I would say from a from a solutions perspective, prior to uh, Active Insight, you know, CMS Central Management System was sort of the go to solution for I think most MSPs, right? Most folks that were even deploying internally. And again, there's no you know month to month cost for uh, for CMS at all. Um, but I would say. Active Insight was that bridge. Everyone was kind of looking for that, you know, single pane. And I talked to Paco about this too, not, you know, not to name drop, but everyone was looking for that, you know, single pane of glass type environment where you can just see any, anything and everything in one quick swoop. And, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like Active Insight's getting there, but uh, when you ask if you should show it, uh, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see it off. Um, well, let me off, do off this. Camera, whenever. <laughs> So let, I will uh, actually we'll do that in the post show because I got a no worries I've got a whole bunch of no stuff worries. open and yeah. listeners that uh, are watching will 
they'll yell at me for some stuff. So <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, no, no, no. I get it. I get it. I can always see it off camera too. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll do that. So again, it was. Um, I mean, a lot has changed since I started using it. I probably only started using it less than a year ago. And mm-hmm. all of these things were added within that last year, and including login activity. So, you know, if there's uh, failed login attempts to your appliance, uh, I don't know what the unresolved Maybe. events are, but I'm sure I'll find out at some point. Uh, so, so when you go in and you click actually resolve, you can manually resolve an issue. And if you click resolve, it'll it'll just be like an event, for example, we had a uh, unexpected shutdown occur on the NAS, right? Right. That's going to be recorded as an unresolved event. Um, and then once you've actually got, like, let's say you're an admin, you're going through, you're checking those issues. Uh, then you would just click resolve and then it would be marked as resolved. Now there's a separate section where you can actually sort of file uh, any type of, of, of support type ticket directly through active insight. And that's another way that an issue will be resolved if it comes up. Okay. All right. So we could get bogged down on this. So just uh, suffice (laughs) it to say, everyone, Active Insight is probably the way to go. If you are managing, you know, loads of Synology appliances and you've got them all in your account, put them in Active Insight. Um, They're still going to have the free version, right, where it only has data for like 30 days or something? Yes. Well, yeah, it's one month. Uh, that that will remain uh, in place. Yes. Okay. Oh. Yeah. The, so the hyper backup monitoring, uh, login activity, you can do reporting, uh, and I think events. Yeah, those are the major ones in the premium version. Okay. All right. Um, so your workshop tomorrow. When I looked at the agenda for it, the first half of it was on the C2 solutions. And I know mm-hmm. we, we talked about those in, I think it was the third show uh, of the audio podcast that we did, but is, is there anything new that you're going to be presenting tomorrow that, because uh, listen, half the people aren't going to listen to this till, you know, a week later. So you're not spilling beans. There. In terms of, in terms of uh, solutions that we're launching or, or new hardware that we're coming out with, uh, no, nothing this week, nothing okay. this week, not to, not to burst your bubble there. There's, there's not much that's going on this week per se. We do have, uh, some, some stuff on the horizon, right? We're always working on new things and always building that, that DSM environment, especially these past two years, it's been huge, but I mean, from a C2 perspective, it has been a really big year for C2. I am really excited to see that product. And where it's come uh, now with us. I mean, we've added C2 object storage, which is uh, using S, uh, which is really, I mean, very, it's S3 compatible, first of all. And it allows you to really have a full object storage solution in the cloud, which is great. Uh, We've added C2 identity, which allows you to remotely and at a very low cost be able to have your, your nice little access management and identity solution in the cloud. Um, so that, I mean, that solution in general has just exploded for us um, this year. So here's a question I have. So I have a customer that sure. um, we need to present them with a disaster recovery scenario, but they want to stay on-prem. And if something happens, they want a quick 
upload to the cloud, which, as most of us know, it's not always just quick and easy. So I saw that C2 has a hybrid share option, but I haven't investigated yes. much. Can you describe the hybrid share? And is, is that going to really solve, excited. is that going to take care of my, my client? I get, I get really excited when I talk about hybrid share. Um, I mean, hybrid share is just, it combines the best of both worlds, right? You've got the performance and speed of an on-premise solution. You've got the scalability and elasticity of a cloud solution. Uh, but at the same time, the, the NAS really, it distinguishes what's in the cloud and what's on the ground and what's you know on-prem. But you don't feel like it's really distinguishing, right? It, it's all, it all just seems like it's right in front of you. Um, so yes, I mean, in terms of what C2 uh, hybrid share can do for your client, I think it would make sense. I mean, you can replicate a shared folder to uh, several different NAS systems. You can replicate, let's just say we've got uh, a headquarters, right? That's managing four to five NAS solutions in the field. You can have everything replicate to that HQ or you can have individual NAS units replicate that hybrid share folder between each other too. So it's just such a flexible solution. Uh, and when you need to add data, you just go up on the, uh, in the C2, expand your plan, and you're good to go. There's no ingress, no egress fees, and uh, no data retrieval fees either. So does that take the place of Synology Drive and some of the other sync platforms that are built into the to the appliances? You know, it, it doesn't to a huge extent because uh, I should say to a moderate extent, I think for some, for some users, hybrid share could fill that void, right? That, that, you know, the drive was, was leaving for them. Right. Um, but at the same time, it also gives more value to Synology drive as well. Because if you think about Synology Drive, Synology Drive operates within the confines of the NAS. Now imagine a Synology Drive solution that has the scalability of cloud. That is what hybrid share can do for Synology Drive. So you actually have your own personal cloud, right? But actually part of that personal cloud is living on a public cloud, right? That's super secure and encrypted. So your your personal cloud has now become super scalable and super elastic, uh, which is a fantastic thing to have. So in many ways, and I was just working on this yesterday with a client, and this is why I talk about it this way, but in many ways, C2 um, hybrid share complements the heck out of Synology Drive. Uh, so I think it's going to make that solution more powerful in the long run. All right. Now, it's under the C2 storage category. So is it right now just storage that can be uh, replicated up there? Can you do the like the VM that I'm doing for my other client? If I wanted to do mm-hmm. this for this new client, well, they're not new, but this new solution for that client, am I able to you know, replicate their, their VM to a cloud and then spin that up somehow? Or is that not right? Not, not as of yet. Yeah, okay. I know we talked on that a little bit. I don't foresee that as being um, not out of the out of the realm of possibilities in the future with Synology. Um, obviously, it's something we've we've looked into and something we're very adamant about. But uh, in terms of it replacing, you know, a, a NAS altogether, I, you know, I think there's just so many reasons to be on premise with data. 
there's a lot of reasons to use the cloud too. I mean, I, I am definitely a proponent of both, uh, but you've got to have a scalable and strategic deployment wherever you wherever you deploy. All right. Got to be able to be flexible there. Just getting so excited. I'm thinking Synology can do all my stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, but you need to be behind it, right? Like you're, you're obviously, you know, you're thorough, you're looking over what your client's best needs are. Um, and from there, just working out a, a good solution. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make sure, you know, that, I mean, there's a lot that it can do. So I'm taking my time, you know, first I did the, you know, used it as a backup storage container in a sense. Then I added the file shares. Then I did the the directory server for a smaller client. I think they had 11 users. So being able to get away from Windows Cal licenses uh, was not that it was huge for them, but I mean, it was just something where I could say, look, you don't have to pay for that. You know, we don't have to pay for a separate server. Uh, all of your stuff. And, you know, there's some situations, for instance, the DS1621 that I put in, that still was about the cost of a, you know, typical HP server. But mm-hmm. it did so much more than your typical HP server. Um, and in if I had done it a certain way, it could have been expandable. But this is a client that, I mean, their, their, their total data right now is under a terabyte. So mm-hmm. I just went ahead and maxed it out because I know that, you know, if they ever came close to maxing it out, it's time for a new a new appliance. I think in this case, you gave them exactly what they needed. You know, I mean, you, you obviously looked through the books. I don't know if Brandon Foster was was in this conversation with you at all. He was. He was. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, um, Brandon's uh, Brandon's your direct uh, contact here at Synology. So, I mean, he's great. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys really worked something that, that made sense for the uh, customer at the time. Yeah. And I've got him looking at a DX3622 solution for me. Oh, that expansion now. Good. Good yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So working on that. Now, I did talk to two people, uh, I guess in the last couple of weeks, that they love Synology. Or I shouldn't say that. They use Synology. But one of them had a solution that they needed where they wanted to replace an on-prem server. And I said, Synology, you know, they've got a QuickBooks application that, you know, QuickBooks has to run on something. And I'm like, well, just put a VM in a Synology. Don't get them a whole brand new server. And they're like, ah, just not ready for it. And I'm like, come on. And then the uh, second person that I worked with had to, uh, back up temporarily uh, four virtual machines. And okay. so yeah. we got them on, they had an appliance that they had laying around and they said, can I do it on this? I said, sure. And we uh, worked them through getting the backups done. And, and uh, now they haven't been able to spin them up on something else to make sure that they're working, which I told them that they should do that. Uh, that's probably the Absolutely. next, the next step is to make sure that, if you're backing up virtual machines, being able to spin those up and mm-hmm. I don't have an appliance big enough myself to do that either. So that's a, another one I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, uh, definitely a great usage case as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super happy to hear about that. All right. So let's, uh, let's see, we're, we're halfway through the show here. 
Let's talk about some of the other things that Synology brings to the table. So, so you guys, I don't remember how I got it. I think I attended a, a seminar and I won the, uh, the router, the 2600. Is that the one it was? And then you guys, the came- RT 2600 AX. Yep. Yeah. AT, yeah. And then you came out with another one right after I got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the RT sixty six hundred um, is is the, the new one that's come out, and you know it's loads faster. It's um, you know it's got great some great performance. Don't feel bad. Um, it's got two point uh, two point five gig uh, Ethernet port on it, which is nice. It's new for Synology, um, and I have one in my house, and I'm so happy with it. I'm so happy with it. We've got it hooked up to a three mesh unit system. Uh, that blankets our entire house. And then I use everything direct connected to the router in the basement. And it just, it's, it flies. We're happy with it. So you have three of them in mesh configuration. So I have one, I have one RT 6600 AX. Um, and what it's doing is actually, I'm doing direct ethernet to RJ 45 ethernet to, um, actually a third party, um, mesh router or i should say mesh expansion okay and i just have them etherneted in at certain parts in the house and uh so that kind of blankets the house very quickly and then in the basement i just use a direct um i actually use just direct rj45 into my laptop um and i'm getting you know great speeds on it and the wi-fi is fantastic i rarely use the wi-fi to be honest uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's quick. It's very snappy. All right. So I'm looking at it here. Oh, I've got, it up, got, on it, up there. Nice. got it up on the screen here. Six antennas. The one that I have only has four. Yep. Uh, so tri-band Wi-Fi, quad core processor. Pretty nice. Oh, support for the new 5.9. Yep. Yeah. That, that was, I, I don't want to say long overdue, but it, I'm glad it's there. Okay. And. 2.5 gig support in the, in the router. Yeah. In the router. Yeah. You've got one, one of the uh, ports in there is going to support 2.5. It's easily marked if you're looking for it. So you can get snappy speeds to a NAS. Interesting. And we also do have NAS systems as well. Um, I want to say we have some new NICs out that support two and a half uh, gig. I saw that. Um, which one was it? The 3622? When I looked at it, had that, or is it just the ten? Yeah, yeah, I believe it is the thirty six twenty two. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the DS thirty six twenty two access, I believe, was the one that that currently has that. Yeah. All right. Now, besides then, just, I being think a, we're going to be seeing more of that too. Yeah. Okay. So, besides being a Wi Fi, you know, access point router, I mean, people can use this to replace their existing ISP router, correct? Yeah, I mean, we we look at the SMB market mainly for, I think, the RT6600 in general. Um, But certainly, I mean, you can definitely have that in there very successfully. I think for, you know, a large office, uh, it would be be an efficient solution to implement. And then SRM, if you're not familiar, uh, is the uh, operating system that actually runs on the router, Synology Router Management. And SRM, for those of you that have used Synology in the past, very similar to to DSM in terms of interface. 
So it's extremely easy to use. It's extremely easy to understand and to change any of your settings. It's, it's fantastic. So I'll be honest, even though I did set up the RT 2600 and used it for about a week, I put it back in the box because I thought we were going to do something with it. I could give away or something. And I don't know where we, where we ended up with that. So yeah. I, I don't remember all of the things built into it outside of being the router. Uh, how much did it actually do in terms of, you know, dual WAN content filtering, mm-hmm. Uh, MAC address, uh, ACL, any, what are all the features built into the Synology routers? Yeah. So, I mean, DSM is going, or I should say SRM is going to give uh, quite a few different options there. And yes, so all of those features are going to be included on the RT6600AX. Uh, you can create obviously VPNs on them. Uh, you can have a VPN client on it as well. Uh, there's a number of different network settings that you can configure. Um, uh, you can, you know, have it look for snooping, any type of uh, malware, um, entry protection, uh, you know, basically, I mean, gosh, there's just so much stuff on it. Uh, it would be hard to kind of go over everything. All right. Uh, traffic management, parental control and VPN. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a big one. Traffic management is definitely a big one. Okay. All right. Something to consider there. Uh, what else did we, let's see. I talked about the surveillance systems because I did one of those, uh, uh, one of those NASs that I deployed was simply for a camera system for a healthcare office. And I used 15 mm-hmm. of the 16 licenses. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And you've got the, the so two in there for included. Yeah. And are you using surveillance station 9.0 on it? I think we upgraded it. I think, yeah, we after we put it in like a week later, uh, it asked us to upgrade. So we're doing that. The customer loves it. Um, we're doing storage on it. What else are we doing? Oh, well, the big thing that really sold it was they did not have to replace their cameras. So those cameras yeah, were already they were already in place. And the other solution that I normally provide would have meant replacing all the cameras. And then I said, well, we can look at the Synology and use your existing cameras. And I actually brought some old cameras that they had to my office and set up a test system here to make sure that it worked. And it did. And mm-hmm. uh, pretty, pretty simple and easy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty much, for the most part, plug and play. And I think Surveillance Station 9.0 really added some very nice, easy-to-use features on. For example, you know, as soon as you plug it into a network, It'll find, it'll locate all the cameras on that network and it'll just make it very easy for you to add those cameras um, really all at once. Um, so the surveillance station is great. I, I'm, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I did want to point out something else that we recently came out with and, and it's been getting a lot of traction. Um, I work specifically with, uh, with healthcare. Healthcare, I would say, is my biggest vertical that, that I service. Um, I work with end users, right? So I used to be on the SIVR team, which covers our MSPs, uh, our value-added resellers, our systems integrators, and I moved over to this end user team. Um, And what we do is we both look for opportunities. uh, We support our our end users as well. Um, You know, those that have been deployed, we don't sell direct. 
that's not something we do, but we're here as a resource for both our MSPs and end users. And one thing that's been getting a lot of traction in, in uh, I would say the healthcare markets is the uh, HD 6500. Have you uh, have you seen that big boy yet? I have not. Yeah, so that one. Um, what is, is it? The HG uh, sixty five hundred. H is in Hector. D is in Delta sixty five hundred. Oh, I think yeah, I. So that's a that's a big one. I think I scrolled by it when I was doing a NAS selector. Um, it it yeah, looked, so it looked a little monstrous. Looking at multi petabyte. Yeah, that one's big. Yep. Um, but I think that one's that's a uh, that's a unit that really I think gives even the SMB more flexibility in terms of bulk storage. All right, I'm going to bring this up here. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is a uh, high density. All the space you will ever need. Two by ten yeah, core. Three drives. Oh my. Yeah. So the question we got there was. You know, we, we need more space with less rack space. And I think that healthcare was, you know, healthcare is one of those environments where it's like we, we need to store a lot of data, right? We don't have the rack space for it, and we don't want to break the bank. I, I'm not saying this unit is inexpensive. That's not at all what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's well worth the investment, I think, for someone that's looking at multi-petabyte storage uh, at scale and with a lot of power behind it too. So, okay, let me, I'm trying to, here we go. Storage 60 bays expandable to 300. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where is the storage limit? Let's see. So the storage limit, um, uh, that it's, would be, it's so much you can't even list it. Just, just about two petabytes, um, two petabytes. Okay. Yeah, just just about that. Depending on how you've configured uh, the unit, like let's just say you you know a, a rough. This is a very rough estimate. Obviously, this is something that wouldn't really like. I can do some some quick math here using my calculator. I'm I'm awful at math. Um, I don't know how I got hired. Honestly, <laughs> uh, let's see. So I'm going to do a quick comparison here, and this is definitely, folks. Uh, we did not plan this on the live show. So yeah. if you are listening yeah. to the audio, you're going to need to hop on the video here. Uh, the link will be in the episode page, and we're at about 45 to 47 minutes, depending on how much editing I do, which is usually none. And so... I, I actually got that wrong. I think it's it's over two petabytes. I, I'd have to do some uh, some some uh, longer longer math and breakout rate and whatnot. So I'm doing a comparison between the 1621, which is right now the largest I've deployed. I've actually deployed three of those. Two of the others were just simply file servers uh, for a big law firm. The 3622 is what I'm considering uh, for this other client. The SA32D was one that I was considering for a customer that needs to do a, a terminal server farm. And then I added your HD 6500. So highlighting the differences, obviously my uh, 1621 only has four cores. The 3622 was six cores, or no, where are my glasses? Yep, you're right. I can't see. Man. It's six cores. S- sucks to get old. 
Okay. Uh, the 3200, so that's four cores per controller. And it had, comes with two controllers. And then the 6500 is two CPUs, 10 cores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Expandable to 512 gigs of RAM. That's what I need. I just don't need all, I just don't need all those drive bays. Then if you don't need all the drive bays, what might make sense for you is the SA3600. Okay. Yeah, that, that might be that might be a better a better solution if you, if you don't need all the storage. I'd say that the bread and butter of the HD6500 is bulk storage, backup, um, and long-term archive. I mean, the thing that I've been seeing, I think, in the healthcare markets is typically – we're getting, you know, orders for like two or three of those at a time. All right. Here's the, um, here's the maximum yeah. storage, one petabyte for a RAID 6 group only. Yes. So that's, that's going to be a petavolume. Um, so you can have up to one petabyte for per RAID 6 group volume. Um, so petastore is a special setting that is or a special i should say a special feature within the nas that allows you to get up to a petabyte in a single volume um the unit itself should be able to support more more data than that overall though with a petavolume well i mean with 60 bays i mean you only need to use how many drives for raid six uh, i mean let's say you use 10 drives for raid six yeah 18 to, so yeah you, you have about uh yeah, you'd have about a petabyte there. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I just did 60. Sorry. So 10, 10 times 18, yeah, minus. That would be about 100. So that would be 144. And then after OS allocation, be about 142 or so okay. pe- uh, terabytes. So you, you'd have to get up to. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Is she calculating for you? <laughs> she Well, she got the answer wrong, so I, I don't feel so bad. Um, yeah, you'd have to use up about, about all the 60, uh, okay. in there to get your petabyte, um, on a single, but again, it's expandable up to, uh, 300. Yeah, that's a lot. So let me go back to my products list and throw in, so you said the 3,600 or the 3,400? 3,600, SA 3,600. Yeah. I don't know what I just did there. Okay. The 3,600, the 12 core. That's right. Yeah. Riveting audio. I know folks. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's good to kind of, it's, it's good to look through these things every now and then. Yep. So there it is. Yep. Uh, 12 core and uh, 128 gigs RAM maximum. So for, I mean, for terminal servers, that would, that would work. Put a few virtual machines on there and up to 96 bays with one expansion, 180 with another expansion. So, so that's just over a petabyte. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now that we've lost a few viewers, let me uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. get us back on track here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I don't know how we got off track there. I think I started talking about the HD 6500. That was me. Oh, yeah. I guess, will you be talking about that tomorrow? Is that why you, were you, were you prepping for it all day? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually not presenting tomorrow. Um, I'm a, uh, I'm just here as a moral support and I guess muscle. Okay. Muscle. (laughs) 
You don't believe in Synology? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think they're going to put me at the front door. We'll see. All right. Um, Let me go off topic here and ask a question that – Folks, if you're if you're watching live, you you can ask you can ask questions. Don't you don't have to wait for me to come up with your question. Just throw it in the chat there, and we'll we'll get to it. And if we don't get to it while we're live on the air, we'll stay after a little bit and answer. But one of the questions that when I was talking to my my people over the last couple of weeks was ransomware protection, and they didn't quite understand, and I just didn't have a great answer for them. Uh, how are you guys doing the ransomware protection? So I think ransomware protection at whole really comes down to how well the environment is protected and how well a NAS is secure. So two things that we provide within the NAS is we have a security checklist, right? So that's something that you can physically look at. You can download it from the internet. Just check all your boxes, make sure that that environment is as solid as possible. And we also have a security advisor and that security advisor does do uh, searches and, and it scans for crypto mining currencies, things like that. Uh, crypto mining uh, malware, right? Um, and, and you know, like ransomware viruses. Uh, but at the same time, when we talk about the strategy, we want to think about replication and we want to think about how that data that could eventually be, uh, eventually be affected is there and replicated. So basically what we do there is redundancy and a key solution to preventing ransomware in, you know, in almost any environment is using snapshot replication. I will say there's other strategies out there that I think are, are good. And I think that Synology is going to adopt more broadly. Um, but for the most part, uh, snapshot replication allows you to basically at, at a block level, uh, take small incremental snapshots of your data uh, and transfer that to a secondary NAS. And it's, it's proprietary. It's a proprietary solution. Uh, and it's coded for Synology. So if there was ever a ransomware attack, that data within the snapshots is protected. And you can actually go back in time. You can restore it uh, from a point in time backup. But there are a number of different strategies we can talk about. I mean, just keeping good IT hygiene, training staff. Uh, I think that when we have these conversations with MSPs and end users, uh, we get very involved in, you know, in their architecture. And, and we want to know as much as we can. Uh, about how we can make it as secure as possible. So let me ask you about the alerting for that, because it sounds like mm-hmm. you would only be alerted if it was found in either the snapshot or the backup. Is that the case, or can you get almost real-time alerting if a ransomware is uh, detected? So the solution on Synology works in a fashion where you have scanning done. So like you can have a daily scan, uh, you can have a weekly scan. It's not something that where you're constantly monitoring the system for it. Now, if something in like if something starts to happen where let's just say all of your files are getting encrypted, right? When there's a file change, sometimes uh, users will get notifications, right? Like admins will get notifications, and if that point in time where the system detects like a rapid amount of file changing, uh, there might be an alert that would get triggered there. If not the alert, the symptom of encryption would sort of just sit, tell an admin, hey, I have to come in and do something about this. Um, so, yeah. And uh, it looks like um, actually our backend support just says um, it really depends on how the ransomware is attacking the system. 
So if it's just encrypting the SMB map drive, the infected computer, uh, if the infected computer doesn't have permissions to the data, it can infect. Um, yeah, it looks like she said, however, we've done some suggestions when it comes to protecting from ransomware that also protect active backup, such as hyper backup and snapshot replication. Yeah, I think a blanket, really a blanket protection is snapshot replication. Okay. I'll dive into that certainly when I look at stuff. And uh, Sure. So, and we have another question, and I will go ahead and bring that up here real quick. Uh, can you or are there plans to allow you to test a VM backup from C2 to a cloud server? I think I kind of asked this earlier, um, or test cloud to cloud, basically. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I, so in terms of future plans, I don't know if that we have that in the works. Uh, I would say we, we just came out with something called C2 Object Storage, and Object Storage is a, I think, very dynamic uh, C2 solution that at, at some point may potentially have the capability of doing something like that. Um, but I don't have that in, you know, written in stone or, or nothing confirmed. Um, I will say spinning up VMs in the cloud is, I, I think, an important BDR solution. So um, that is likely something that will at some point be on 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 queue or on target for for the company all right yeah that would definitely put you on par with some of the other big name players in our industry that uh that's what they're known for being able to spin up in the cloud uh i don't necessarily know that i would need to run from the cloud but to at least Mm -hmm. be able to spin up and test and then download quickly i guess is the one thing because i i actually should I say? Yeah, I can say this. So I did. Um, so I've got a Synology here. It's a small one. It's not one of the big ones that we've been talking about. But I wanted to see if I could download a virtualized backup from another client down to my office and see if it would you know, spin up. I wanted to test because in the virtualations uh, of your virtual machine, you can support VHD, mm-hmm. VHDX, VMware, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I had a, a system running in Hyper-V, and I said, well, let me download that and see. And right now, I mean, it was going to take like five hours for that that backup to download to my office. Um, I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so I would love to have been able to say, yes. let me just put it somewhere and spin it up and see if it works, and then I can worry about getting it downloaded, downloaded in an actual disaster at, a, at another time. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, definitely the scenario where it's like, hey, it's already running in the cloud, right? Uh, no imports, no exports needed. Just spin it up for sure. I get it. All right. So here's another question. Uh, are there any performance issues with backups, assuming they run clients, client side rather than server side? Um, so it, it, running... Running client side, uh, you know, in terms of um, in terms of performance, no, I, I would say that it, depending on the amount of people you have working in your environment, if you have less than five hundred users, you're 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 one hundred percent, you're fine. Um, if you have more than that, I would say let's dive in. You know, dive in with your MSP, dive in with Synology, and we can kind of have a one on one discussion 
uh, about your usage case, just to ensure that every, all, you know, we're, we're taking all the boxes. Now, this is going to be probably on your higher end enterprise class stuff where you're, you know, running those backups during production hours and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, in some cases. I mean, it, you know, to a certain extent, I think the DS1621XS Plus probably does a lot more than we give it credit for, right? It's a very powerful, very capable um, disk station bo- uh, box, you know, and uh, I, th- I think it would surprise a lot of people. Um, but, you know, depending on how much data you're working with, depending on how many users, uh, we we just want to make sure you know the, the the tunnel for your data is there and the compute on the unit can handle what's being thrown at it. Well, you mentioned the sixteen twenty one, so there's actually two versions. There's the the regular sixteen twenty one plus, mm-hmm. and then the sixteen twenty one XS plus. So we should probably tell the users what the real difference between those two is. Yeah, so the 1621 Plus is a DS unit. Uh, if we're going to get technical, that has a three-year warranty. But uh, uh, Mar- Marvin, you mentioned the, uh, the extended warranty gives you another two years. Um, that also has a Ryzen processor in it. Scalability, the weight of the unit, the two units, very, very similar. Um, you know, We're going to be able to go up to 16 drives. The sixteen, uh, the DS sixteen twenty one XS Plus, that's going to give you uh, first of all a single RJ forty five ten gig port. Uh, really simply because that's that unit's going to be used for higher end, uh, more performance oriented applications, and it's going to give you a Xeon processor. So you know, basically more muscle, uh, more processing, same amount of RAM, thirty two gigs of RAM max in both units. Uh, and the volume size, that's going to be another difference there. Uh, so the max volume size on your 1621 plus is going to be 108 terabytes. Whereas the 1621 excess plus is going to be 200 terabytes for a single volume. So why is that exactly? Well, first of all, it comes down to, uh, the power of the unit. Um, our number one recommendation, or I should say a requirement uh, is that we have at least 32 gigabytes of RAM for a um, for a volume over 108 terabytes, okay. right? And a lot of that has to do with how quickly the unit can process that data. Um, and the Xeon processor is just more well well equipped to handle a volume size of 200 terabytes. You know, if, if we're throwing 108 terabytes uh, into or uh, 200 terabytes into a less snappy processor they could run into performance issues. Okay. And then there's other differences. And when I looked at it, so I looked at things like uh, maximum concurrent, you know, SMB connections, Uh, uh, that, you know, shared folder stuff. Not that I think that my clients will (laughs) will hit those limits, but to know that in a lot of cases, they're double um, between the plus and the XS plus. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, you know, with the performance bump in the unit, uh, there are some things on there that are very similar uh, amongst the two units. And there are other things where it's like the 1621 XS Plus is a clear a clear standout uh, in terms of performance. But yeah, if you look at the performance page, you'll see uh, your throughput, uh, your IOPS, um, all of that is going to be higher on the 1621 XS Plus. All right. Well, Doug, we, uh, we're digging into the weeds here, 
and uh, I like it. But uh, I want to keep the listeners uh, intact with the show here. And so what I'm going to do is we'll end off the audio portion. And I've already put the ticker up that if you're watching live, uh, stay with us after the live show for more discussion. We'll continue this. I see that there's another couple of questions that came in, so we'll get those answered. If you are listening by audio, I do want to thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing the show. But head over to our YouTube page where you can see the post show in its totality. I'll try to put a marker in there so you can go straight to it. Um, if not, you'll you'll know to go to about a minute and five and, and pick up there. But we're going to end off the, the live show here. Uh, Doug's probably got to go to bed to get ready for his thing tomorrow. I've got to go get ready for a flight uh, that leaves very early. So that is going to do it for this episode. And uh, Doug, thank you for hanging out. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, folks. uh, I will see you after ASCII. If I survive Oklahoma City, we'll be back with another episode (laughs) and a live show next week. And until then, holla. Holla.